And all God's people said, Amen. We're going to start off our our sermon, our our meditation, our message this morning, talking about fears. Now, I know everybody here is afraid of something. Even though you may not like to admit it, you're you're afraid of something. And we have those classic fears, right? People are afraid of the dark. People are afraid of heights. People are afraid of flying. And certainly after all those articles that we read this, this week. And people are afraid of clowns which I think is pretty legitimate if you actually take a look at them. But this morning, we're going to take a look at those, at those long words with the word phobia at the end. You know those words that usually you need to know, like their Latin roots and the etymology of the word to be able to really understand what they're trying to get at. But some of them are easier, right? Like, like this one here. Aquaphobia is the fear of... Water. See, not that hard. And you guys have probably heard about this one too. Arachnophobia is the fear of spiders. Now, I'm not terrified of spiders, but that certainly doesn't mean that I like them. Now, my, my wife asked me to kill the spiders when there's spiders in the, the, the house. And, and you'll see in this next clip where, where his wife asked him to kill a spider, but doesn't quite go as planned. And I think that at least I can empathize with what this guy does. Babes, this is a spider. I got it. When killing a spider doesn't quite go as planned. How about this one? Anglophobia. It's the fear of the country of Great Britain. How bizarre is that? Not as bizarre as this next one. Allophobia or or allophobia, depending on how you pronounce it. Anybody know what, what, what allophobia is? The fear of flutes. A little weird, right? Does, does anybody here suffer from, from allophobia? Go ahead. This next one. Now, this next one. This one's just mean. Just cruel. This one is hippopotamonstrosis quipedaliophobia. Yes, I practiced all week to be able to say that word. Hippopotamonstrosis quipedaliophobia is the fear of long words. <laughs> mean is that? <laughs> and this last one right here. Aphidiophobia. Aphidiophobia. Anybody know what aphidiophobia is? If you don't, now is the time to, to get out the, the sermon outline here that's provided for you in your bulletin uh, because this is the, the first point and perhaps the most important point. Or perhaps not. Aphidiophobia is the fear of snakes. Now, I am terrified of snakes. I think I, in some way, suffer mildly from aphidiophobia. I actually have nightmares about snakes. I have nightmares that, that, that snakes are out to get me, that, that I have to look at snakes, that, that I have to be with snakes, and I wake up in a cold sweat. Seriously, not good. But 
This picture here was taken, taken in Japan. We were in Japan visiting my sister and her husband who were stationed in Okinawa. And they took us to the zoo, uh, which they made us watch a show about snakes. And it just bleh. Um, but this is, this is a, a series of pictures here. Um, and it doesn't get better. Uh, the lady in the top left, she's laughing at me. She thinks this is hilarious. But finally, we got the snake around us. We got the picture. Kyla's totally fine. I am having a mild midlife crisis on the other side. <laughs> Suffer from aphidiophobia. Now, I'm going to say that, that there's a, a fear, a common phobia that, that we all share, we, that we've all experienced at one time or another in our lives. And this is the fear that I'm calling share the faith phobia. That's share the faith a phobia. Share the faith a phobia. We all at one time or another in our lives have been afraid of, scared of, yes, maybe even terrified to share our faith. Now I think I think part of this is natural, you know, because faith for us it's a big deal. It's it's a big part of our lives, so so we don't want to we don't want to mess it up. And and we've had these Christian doctrines that have been passed down to us through the Christian church throughout the centuries that help us understand God and and understand the faith more. But I think in some ways these these kind of aid our share the faith of phobia because we don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to be the one that, that mixes things up. Or perhaps for you, if, if you've ever suffered from share the faith of phobia, perhaps it's because you, you didn't want to come off pushy or judgmental. Nothing in this day and age would shut down a conversation about faith quicker than being pushy and judgmental. Or perhaps if you suffer at one point from share the faith of phobia, it's because you didn't want to come across looking like an uneducated bozo. You didn't have all of the answers, so you didn't give any of the answers. Now, like I said, all, all of that may, may be natural to, to, to some extent, but here's the bottom line, is that your friends and your family, they probably know that you're Christian. Our, our, our faith is not something that we need to hide here in America. They've probably been to your house and perhaps seen a cross on your wall or if you have a cross outside in your yard or perhaps there was a, there was a passing comment that, that you went to church on a weekend. Point is, is that they probably know. So if we su- suffer from share the faith of phobia and we don't talk about our faith, if they know we're, we're Christian, that we're disciples and we don't talk about our faith, I, I think that says something big. Because they start to look at us and say, is this faith? Does their faith, does it even matter to them? They certainly don't talk about it or don't, don't act upon it. And why would I ever want to be a part of a religious movement that doesn't affect your daily lives? You think, I think that, that we can sometimes unintentionally and, and unknowingly May Christ come across as foolish because he doesn't have or doesn't look like he has power in our lives or or any sway over our daily decisions. So the question is, what the heck does share the faith of phobia have to do with Acts 4? Well, you see, there's two characters in Acts 4, Peter and John. Now, Peter and John, they boldly 
proclaim their faith. And I mean bold. Did you hear what Peter said to those religious leaders? He said this, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Yikes. Those are yikes words there. Those are bold words. At that point, they weren't suffering from share the faith of phobia right then and there, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Because this is the same Peter and John who were the disciples of Jesus that abandoned Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yes, just several weeks ago, they in fact had suffered from share the faith of phobia. And this is the same Peter who basically called down every curse written on a bathroom stall to make sure that people did not know that he was with Jesus. But now we have a different picture of of Peter and John. A bold picture where they have shed, shared the faith of phobia and are proclaiming their faith to their religious leaders. So the question that's going to kind of guide the rest of our sermon this morning is what tools did God give them and what tools does God give us to shed ourselves from share the faith of phobia and proclaim our faith? Well, I think the first tool that that Peter used, that, that we can use, that God gives us is courage. Peter. Can you imagine the amount of grit, the amount of backbone, the guts, the courage that Peter had to have to proclaim that to the religious leaders? Just a friendly reminder. We know who those religious leaders are. It's Caiaphas. It's Annas. It's the rest of the high priestly family. It's the same people who just a few weeks earlier had skewered Jesus to the wooden cross. These people were capable of despicable things. But yet, this time, Peter didn't flee, but stood his ground and proclaimed his faith. So if Peter had courage that day, and and we have the the gift, the tool of, of courage, where did Peter get it from that day? What turned Peter from calling curses down that were written on bathroom stalls to with courage? proclaiming his faith. Well, I think for Peter and for us, it comes from Jesus. Peter had just seen Jesus undergo the most courageous act ever when Jesus went to the cross. And and the scriptures tell us that, that Jesus opened the minds of the disciples about what he said and did. A.K.A. Peter now knows without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was and is the true God. Which means that Peter knows that Jesus knew about his death the entire time. When he was a little boy, when he was a carpenter, even into his public ministry, Jesus knew Which means when he was a carpenter, during those carpenter years, every time that he would haul a beam of wood to his next project, that would remind him that that's what it would feel like to haul his cross to Golgotha. Every time Jesus pounded a nail into that wood, 
that sound would be etched into his mind, reminding him that soon those nails would have to go through his flesh first before going into the board. Every sunset would remind him that he'd be thrown into the pit of darkness. Every time somebody chuckled or laughed, that would remind him that people would chuckle and laugh at him when he was on the cross exposed to the world. Every time he got dressed in the morning, that reminded him that soon people would mockingly dress him as a king with a purple robe and a crown of thorns. And when his disciples left him that night, yes, even Peter and John would remind him that soon his father too would also leave him. He would be on the cross all alone. You think it takes courage? Think it takes courage to, to sky, skydive, to jump out of an airplane with a, with a parachute tied to your back? You think it takes courage to, to bungee jump, to, to jump off of a bridge tied to a bungee cord? Take a look at our Savior, who basically swan dove into Satan's prison to fish us out. He was flogged for our failures. He was beaten for the times that we botched it. He suffered for the times that we slipped up. He was nailed for our neglect. And all of that for you. This Sunday is is Good Shepherd Sunday, as Pastor Brandt said. See, in Good Shepherd Sunday, we're not called to be normal sheep. Normal sheep who are, who are scared and, and afraid. We're called to look to our Good Shepherd. Because there at our Good Shepherd, we see courage. That's the courage that Peter had that day. And that's the courage that we can look for in our lives. There's another tool that, that we're, we're given. And that's the tool of Jesus' name. That's what this Acts passage is all about. That's the question that the religious leaders asked Peter. They said, and when they, the religious leaders, had set them, which is Peter and John, in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? That's the question on, on the table. That's the question that Peter has to testify to, that Peter does boldly testify to. And at the very end, he says this, and there's salvation no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name. You see that names for us, they're a big, big deal. They, they were a big deal back in the biblical times and they're a big deal now. Have you heard the cliche, it's all about who you know? No. They're cliches probably for a reason because it's probably true. If, if you know somebody that's inside an organization, you probably have a way of getting some type of inside information or, or background information that you wouldn't be able to get if you didn't know them. And the same thing is for us as Christians. It's all about who we know. And we've been given a name that makes demons tremble. We've been given a name that makes dead people rise. We've been given a name that changed the landscape of human history. We've been given a name that saves. You see, when people name drop in an interview, uh, when they're trying to network, it's probably a little bit more tacky than they think it is, and it probably doesn't work quite as well as they think it does. 
but our Father encourages us to name drop Jesus' name all the time. Because when we have Jesus' name, we have access to the Father. So when, when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. At the very beginning, we name drop Jesus' name. At the very end, we name drop Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. We name drop Jesus' name in the middle. But it's not just when we're standing before God in prayer. It's when we're standing before the world. Because there's no other name under heaven given to us by which we must be saved. When we're standing before the world, we've been given a name that's above all other names. A name that's powerful. A name that fixes things. A name that makes temptations flee. A name that saves. Because that's what the world needs. The world needs a savior. Back in 2004, there was a TV show that aired that gained world, worldwide fame. It, it got its format from the show American Idol. And actually one of its judges, its original judges, Simon Cow. maybe if you know the name of the show, it was called The X Factor. You see, that the X Factor looked to find people who had that X Factor in them that would propel them to fame and stardom. Now, as you can imagine, along the way, they found people that had the X Factor, but they, they also found people that didn't really have that X Factor in them. Well, at least singing-wise. Like, like this lady here who gives us just a wonderful rendition of this famous song. Me! Yikes. I don't think that she would go very far in the X Factor. But then again, there were people that did have that X Factor. Like this one here. Now that one, that individual had the X factor. You see, God gives us an X factor too. And this X factor doesn't depend on our singing ability or lack thereof, thank goodness. This X factor doesn't depend on any of our abilities at all, thank goodness. In fact, this X factor doesn't depend on us at all. Again, thank goodness. The X factor that God gives us is the Holy Spirit. Through the waters of baptism, just like we saw this morning, God declares you as righteous and gives you his righteousness. And everybody that is saved by the name of Jesus, you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. That same spirit that empowered Peter that day also empowers you to share your confession of faith, to share what you have seen and heard, to shed yourselves of share the faith of phobia, and to share what you have seen and heard. Basically, and namely, that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is alive. We say this, this Easter season, that Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Alleluia. So let's go out 
give a kick in the rear to share the faith of a phobia. Let's show the devil who's boss with courage in Jesus' name and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, for courage that's found in you. We pray in your powerful and saving name. And because and through the Holy Spirit. Give us what we need to shed ourselves from share the faith of phobia and go and share your good news, our faith, to our neighbors and those in our lives. We ask this in the name of your Son, our Savior, who saves. Amen.